Amen. Yeah, as you can see on my face, I'm so excited to be in church this morning and to actually share the things that God has shown me concerning uh, fear of the Lord with us this morning. Yeah, I I would like to say um, good day to uh, viewers, uh, to the online church in other parts of the world. We might not be morning for you, it must be around um, midnight, all right, or it's evening for you, right? So we are conscious of um other viewers across the globe and so thank you for connecting with us this morning and i believe there's not going to be a waste of your time amen praise the lord so today i want to wrap up um our series on freedom from fear with the fear of the lord some may be thinking are you trying to uh teach us how to be free from the fear of the lord now now because the fear of the lord is the easy only acceptable fear to have as a believer I repeat, the fear of the Lord is the only fear that the believer should have. Amen. And but the Bible tells us that you know God has not given us the spirit of fear. Second Timothy one seven. Now God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and, and of sound mind. So why should we fear the Lord? Why should we fear the Lord? Uh, but it's kind of confusing, isn't it? When if God said we should, He has not given us the spirit of fear and He wants us to fear Him. So it's is it that God is contradicting himself? No, he's not. Just like you know that sometimes or many times a particular word can have different meaning. In this instance, as we're talking about fear, and fear of the Lord, the word fear there has a different meaning, a different meaning when it comes to fearing God, fearing the Lord. Now, the Bible tells us that God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity and fear in that regard means uh, refers to um fear of horror yeah fear of danger right so there's nothing dangerous about god you know you've had people say things like god is a consuming fire all those things are crap right so god is not a consuming fire to consume you amen and I, I don't want to be tempted to get into that uh to that topic this morning right god is not about killing people God is not about, uh, God is not going about destroying people. Jesus said in the book of John chapter 3 verse 17, he said, I have not come to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved. So Jesus did not come to write people off. Now, the question you should be asking yourself when it comes to your perception of God and what the religion or religion have taught, taught us about God is if Jesus is the exact image and representation of God, how many people in the time of Jesus did Jesus kill? I mean, when I say in the time of Jesus, I mean when he was on earth, in his, uh, during his early ministry on earth. How many people did Jesus kill? How many people did Jesus put sickness and disease upon? So, until we actually really understand that Jesus is the express image, is the exact representation is god come in the flesh god come in human form until we really understand that jesus is the son of god and jesus came to model to us who god is until we really understand it we will keep having a wrong perception or perspective about god until we know jesus until we know the connection of jesus with god we will continue to have a wrong perception of god so I want to challenge you this morning, if you have been struggling with a fear of danger, fear of horror with God in your relationship with God, I want to challenge you to go and study more about Jesus, who Jesus is. Hebrews 1, 7, uh, sorry, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 tells us that Jesus is the image of God, the exact representation of God. Jesus, Jesus said in the book of John, whosoever have seen me, have seen the Father. Right? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. John 10 30, Jesus said, Myself and my Father are one. In John chapter 5, he was explained to people that the miracles, the things he, do, he did, the miracles he did while he was on earth, are the things he saw his Father do. Jesus and the Father, they are not working against each other, they are working together. And Jesus said, I have come to do the will of him who sent me. So, if the will of God is to destroy, if the will of God is to consume you by fire, like many people have taught, if the will of God is to condemn you, if the will of God is to write you off. So why did Jesus come? Because the Bible clearly tells us that Jesus came to deliver you and I from the power and the dominion of sin, to deliver, to deliver us from the power of darkness. 
Amen. So when it comes to the fear of God, the fear of the Lord, it's not a fear of horror. It's not a fear of danger. So what does it mean to fear the Lord? To fear the Lord means to respect God, to revere him, to regard him, to esteem him. Fearing, fearing the Lord simply means just to respect God, regard him, obey him, listen to him. Respect. You can open up your dictionary. Okay, well, if you... Uh, I fear, I don't I've, I've not... Okay, the, when it comes to dictionary definition, I had to be cautious here and slow down here. Dictionary will give you uh, the negative you know, definition of fear. But when you look at the Hebrew and the Greek meaning of fear, right, you realize that in Greek and Hebrew, when it comes to the Lord, he's talking about respect, regard, esteeming the Lord. You know, um, you know, when you place value on what God says and do what he's asking you to do. So when you fear the Lord, you are simply obeying him. And a few other things I'm going to call out here. So what? Okay. So the fear to fear the Lord is what is to honor the Lord, is to respect Him, is to revere Him. And that definition of the fear of the Lord is in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter eight, verse thirteen. The Bible says, "To fear the Lord is to hate evil." To hate evil. The Bible tells us that God is holy. God is righteous. God is holy. He is righteous. So, if we claim to fear the Lord. It means we respect him, we accept his view, we, 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 we accept his principles, we accept his ways. And if God is holy and righteous and there's no wickedness or evil in him, and the Bible clearly makes us to understand that God hates evil and God came in the form of Jesus Christ, in the person of Jesus Christ to deliver you from the power of darkness, then it means God hates evil, God is not evil. So if you claim to fear the Lord, you love what God loves and you hate what he hates. I repeat, if you if you and I claim to fear the Lord, we what we we love what God loves. He loves righteousness, he loves holiness, and we hate what he hates. So anyone who claims to fear the Lord but does not hate evil does not fear the Lord. Amen. First John 4 18 tells us that perfect love cast out fear. First John 4 18. Perfect love cast out fear. I think I should read it from the NLT. Such love, talking about God's love. If, when you start from verse 13, you see that it's talking about God's love. So such love has no fear. Perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. When we are afraid of God, I'm just switching now to just go back a little bit and um, just be with me as I take us back and forth, back and forth until we get to our destination uh, to help us really have a good understanding of the fear of the Lord. So I said, when you don't hate evil, right, you, are not, you don't fear the Lord. If you, claim, if you and I claim to fear the Lord, we must love what he loves and we must hate what he hates. Now, when we love evil, when we love evil or we are participating in evil, right? There's no how we will not struggle with the fear of punishment. Because to a very much extent, you, you, something in you tells you what you're doing is wrong. Right, but the Bible tells us here that God is not out and about to punish us, to judge us. The Bible tells us that He has delivered us, Jesus Christ. He came to deliver us from the wrath to come. For uh, Romans chapter five, to deliver us from the wrath to come. So the believer should not have a fear of punishment in his heart. The believer should be focused on having an amazing relationship with the Father. But I'm saying to you, if you and I are indulging in all forms of ungodliness and practice, there's no how we will not struggle with the fear of judgment or with the fear of punishment. So we need to be careful how we conduct ourselves. Amen. We need to be careful how we conduct ourselves. I'm trying to be as practical this, as possible this morning. Yeah, I'm trying to call out some things in our heart. So God is not about to punish us, but if we are practicing evil, we will not be free in, in our relationship and connection with the Father. 
because we know we don't hate what he hates. We are indulging in things that our spirit tells us God hates. And the person that is um, condemning you and um, you know, trying to punish you and trying to bring evil into your life is the devil, not God. Amen. Let's carry on. Let's look at Luke chapter 1, verse 74 to 75. Uh, the Bible says here that we have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear. We have been rescued from our enemies so that we can serve God without fear. So, God does not want us to serve him in fear. But he wants us to, he wants us to serve him with respect and love. In holiness and righteousness. So I'll, I'll, I'll put everything together here. So uh, verse 75 says, okay, let me take it again. For 74 and 75. We have been rescued from our enemies so, so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. The NLT. I repeat, we have rescued, sorry, we have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness as righteousness as long as we live so god wants us to serve him in holiness and righteousness don't forget to love the lord to fear the lord is to hate evil if you are not walking in evil right you'll be walking in holiness and righteousness now the bible is not saying to us that your right living is what produces holiness in you no the fact that you are now a child of god and have been made holy in true christ jesus you need to walk in that holiness and righteousness. But if you're not walking in holiness and righteousness, I think I should retreat it. If you're not walking in holiness and righteousness, you will be afraid of punishment. But God is not out to punish you. But when you are walking in unholiness and in unrighteousness, you are opening up the door for the devil to torment you and afflict you. I hope I'm helping someone here. Amen. So I pray the Lord help our understanding in Jesus' name. Now, when I look at the Christendom, the Christian world, and I see a lot of abuse and tom and uh, kind of um, fear of horror when people claim to fear the Lord, it tells me that people were wrongly taught or have been wrongly taught about what the fear of the Lord entails. So, when a person has a a, a kind of a a, a fear of horror of, of God, a fear of punishment, a a torment, a tormentia, pardon my English, a tormentia kind of fear of the Lord, like you know, a, a fear that brings torment, brings a sense of punishment. Uh, when people have those kind of fears in their life, it tells me they've been wrongly taught, or it's an assumption, or they, or they assume, you know, what the fear of the Lord is, which is punishment. And most of the time is because people use the same the same word fear, uh, the dictionary definition, which is fear of horror, fear of harm, fear of danger. They use that to define what the fear of the Lord is. They don't know what the fear of the Lord is. So people think God can punish them. So when people do something wrong, they expect God to punish them, to inflict harm on them. But that is not the nature of God. It's a Satan who brings evil upon you. Some people, because they mess up, they, they're expecting evil to happen to them as a result of their punishment for what they have done. And many do see evil because they expect it. I repeat, many people, because they don't have a clear understanding what it means to fear the Lord, right? when they mess up, they expect evil to happen to them. And because they expect it, they do see it. And many of them, because they expect it and because they believe God inflicts punishment on people, uh, which has to do with um, inflicting sickness or harm or, or no, on people, because they believe that and they expect it, they do see it. So I'll say to you, if you don't have a good understanding of who God is, if you don't know God's nature, if you do not know God, and the enemy sees that knowledge gap in you. It will exploit it to inflict sickness, disease, and to mess up your life. See, God will correct you. God will always tell you, guy, you're not doing well. Or woman, you're not doing well. You know, get on track. Get on track. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth and it will guide you into truth. Right? But if you have a wrong perspective about the nature of God, a wrong knowledge of the nature of God, the enemy will exploit you. 
So it is important that we are mindful of where we learn things about God or from whom we learn things about God. I know sometimes the Bible might not be very easy to understand and that is because the Bible is, a, is, is full of spiritual revelation and insight and cannot be comprehended with the mind. And that's why motivational speakers, we use scriptures like what highs have not seen, what A's have not heard, are the things that God wants to do in your life. But that's not true. In context, that scripture has to do, is talking about the mystery of God, which is Christ Jesus. That scripture was talking about what was promised in the old covenant. You know, when God, when the prophets prophesied that, you know, what God will do in the life of people who believe in Christ, who believe in him, who trust in him, and it is the things that God's eyes have not seen, nor the ears have heard, nor the mind of man has ever conceived. And that's in chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians says that, and God has revealed it to us, what eyes have not seen, what ears have not heard, what the mind of man has ever never, never conceived. So God has revealed it to us by his spirit. Talking about the mystery, because if you start from First Corinthians, if you if, if you start from verse one of First Corinthians chapter two, you will hear you will see the Bible talk about the mystery of God, the testimony of God, and it goes on and on talking about Christ. But when people don't understand that that chapter is talking about the mystery of God, it's helping the believer to understand that he is different from normal human, um, a natural human being, because that same chapter talks about the fact that you know. Uh, natural people cannot receive the things of God because it's foolishness on, unto them. They cannot grab it. They cannot understand because it's foolishness unto them. And neither can they receive it because these things are spiritually discerned. So the Bible is a, is a book of spiritual revelation and insight. And you cannot comprehend it with your mind. And that's why you need good teachers, sound teachers to teach you the word of God. When you study the word of God, you pray for spiritual insight. Don't try to use logic to interpret the Bible. And that's why many people, many things that God did not say in the Bible, things that were just documented as an account of an event, many people believe it towards God. An example is Job. You know, because Job said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. Many Christians take that as God gives and take. But did they take their time to read the entire book of Job to get everything in context? Because when Job said in the book of John chapter, th- uh, sorry, John chapter 3, that what he feared most has finally come upon him, I don't think people read that. Right? So when Job said, you know, what I feared most has finally come upon me, nobody read that. But what people, a lot of people read is, the Lord give it and the Lord take it. But if you read the, 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 the very, very beginning of the book of Job, you will see that it was the devil... It was a devil who stealed, who killed, who destroyed Job's, you know, everything that was around Job. It wasn't God. Amen. So we need to ensure that we read the Bible in context. We need to ensure that we don't read the Bible as a storybook. We need to ensure that some things we don't understand the word of God, we learn from people who know the word of God clearly, who can teach you the word of God. Amen. Sound teachers. Amen. So, Many people are in a fear of horror, fear, a kind of a timidity, timid fear of the Lord, uh, a, a fawning fear. <laughs> I'm trying to use amplified uh, versions, uh, um, lines of how he defines that kind of fear. You know, let's go to uh, 2 Timothy uh, 1 7, amplified. Oh, 2 Timothy, Timothy 1. Seven. Yeah, uh, let me go to the Amplified. So the Bible says, uh, say, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, in bracket, of cowardice, of craving and cringing and phony fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. So, whichever way the dictionary would define cringing, fawning, you know, fear, you know, basically, it, for my point of view, I want to put it out together, it's not a fear, it's not the kind of, it's not a God kind of fear, it's a, it's a negative kind of fear, fear, amen. So, if we want to really understand what the fear of the Lord is, we need to open up our spirit and trust God to open our eyes to understand what the fear of the Lord is. So we need spiritual revelation and insight. That's what I mean. Excuse me. At the same time, I want to challenge you and I's definition or understanding 
of the fear of the Lord. And if he has any form of fear of uh, any any sign of um, or any form of fear of danger, fear of punishment, we need to check where we got that understanding from. So I'm challenging us to go check our understanding of the fear of the Lord and check the source of our understanding of the fear of the Lord. Because I can tell you, in as much as this is a very good message to bless people, to edify people, in just a matter of hours, some people are back into that feeling of a fear of horror of the Lord. But that's not true because that's not good because that fear, that negative fear of the Lord, fear of judgment, fear of punishment, will hinder your relationship with the Father. Amen. We hinder your relationship with the Father. Amen. Let's carry on there. So let's look at Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13. Isaiah 29, 13. Um, let's read from the New King James Version. It said, therefore the Lord says, inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, okay, honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. So what the Bible is saying here is that these people here, you know, they honor God with their lips. They claim to respect God with their lips. They claim to, you know, regard God with their lips. But their heart is far from the Lord. And what's the reason for? And they, they, they feared. I mean, how in their own mind they fear the Lord is what human beings taught them. So some people would tell you that, you know, we are in the dispensation dispensation of grace. Hallelujah. And um, anything goes. Amen. Anything goes. You know, uh, I've had all manner of horrible things like um, you can do whatever you like, you can sin. Uh, but as long as you pay your tithe, God will forgive those unlaw, uh, what's called it? Lawlessness, act of lawlessness. Just act of stupidity. Amen. St you know, st when I say stupidity, 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 stupidity. In uh, stupidity, you know, I, um, according to dictionary, is lack of common sense. But you know, there's some, there's some foolish things that people do. I mean, very, very foolish things that are very ungodly. I was discussing with a church, um, a few members of the church family yesterday, some evil practices in the church. Right? And people will, and evil men, evil men will <laughs> to to validate their ungodliness and the wickedness of their heart. They will teach you all manner of stuff. And if you are not careful where, from whom or where you are learning the fear of the Lord, if you are not careful and cautious and allow the Holy Ghost to guide you, people will teach you to do evil. They will teach you to do evil. And in your own mind, you will think you fear the Lord. So we need to be very careful from whom we learn the fear of the Lord or from which association we, we learn the fear of the Lord. Let's take it again. Let's try another uh, translation. Let's look at NLT here. Don't, don't do this this morning. NLT. So verse 13 says, and so the Lord says, these people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their worship of me, you know, so New King James says fear, right? Say, and their worship of me is, is nothing but man-made rules learned by rot. Man-made rules learned by rot. Rot there refers to mechanical Amen. I trust God is giving you an understanding this morning. I'm just going to speak and allow him to speak to your heart. So let's take it again. He said, and so, says, and so the Lord says, these people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, 
but their hearts are far from me. Question number one, would you say your heart is close to the Lord? Would you say that you are conscious of the Father? Would you say that you genuinely love the Father? Will you say that you genuinely love the Father and your relationship with God, the way you live with God, your fear of the Lord, will you say that it's what it is in... Are you, okay, let, let me rephrase that. Can you say that how you demonstrate the fear of the Lord is according to his word, is according to what you learned from Jesus? Or is it according to what people tell you? Uh, we were talking about a church yesterday such that, um, you know, it is... You know, immorality is is the is the identity of the church, and they have massive following. I mean, it's identity from leadership, say the, the most top, the, the, the most top leadership down to the new people who join the church. It's immorality. I mean, it's immorality, and these people and the, the founder of this church is very very sound in the word of God. He understands. You know, he can teach the revelations of God. Word. I mean, he, he knows it. He knows it very well. So it's one thing for someone to know the word of God. It's another thing for them to live by it or to conduct their lives by that word. Because many people out there, you know, because uh, there are some teachers out there, they know the word, but it's another thing if they are yielding their heart and their life to it. So it's, it's one thing for someone to be saved. It's one thing for someone to make Jesus or to confess Jesus as their Lord, is another thing for the people, that same people, to make Jesus Lord of their life. So when you make Jesus Lord of your life, you submit your right and everything to him. You make his principles, his teachings, to guide everything you do. So many churches today, and it's sad to say because I'm a pastor, many churches today, they know the word of God. They understand why Jesus, they know why Jesus came to die for us, but they do not conduct their life by the word. And they prefer the life to like to live. They like to live in that pleasure, in the pleasure of the flesh. Friends, I'll tell you something. Anybody can yield to the Holy Spirit in the morning and yield to the devil in the afternoon. It's very easy. You can yield to anything you like. So, in case you see a pastor sounding the word of God, you know, teaching, I mean, and things are happening in the spirit. I mean, yeah, you can see the manifestation of the spirit. And then in the afternoon, you find him with all kind of evil practices. Or, besides teaching and preaching in church on Sunday or on Wednesday, his lifestyle is against everything the Bible says. So, don't feel bad about it or try to question God about it. The Holy Spirit dwells in him because he's saved, right? But it's up to him what he wants to yield to. Because as I'm speaking to you, I can yield to the flesh and start, and I can, in the next five minutes, I can start teaching money, finances, and start, I, can, I can start teaching it and start to get money out of you guys. Yeah, I can yield to that, but I refuse to yield to that. So every believer has a right, right, to yield to the Lord, or you to the devil, or you to the flesh. Amen. So I think I needed to, I think I need to call it out to make you understand that the fact that you are born again, child of God, does not mean that you will not be tempted in other areas, or there are no oppositions in other areas that want you that want to absorb your attention or use you as a vessel to accomplish their goal. And every believer needs to be sensitive in the spirit. The fact that somebody or a man or a woman is called a minister in the church does not mean that you should be loose and careless around them. Mm, deep stuff, isn't it? Why have I said, said all of those things? Well, I don't know. I think the Lord was speaking to someone, but I'll say one of the things I, I feel in my heart, uh, um, I feel in my heart while I was led in that direction is the fact that People will teach you, people can teach you a distorted, it's distorted fear of the Lord. Like these guys, they claim to honor God, they claim, you know, uh, verse, uh, so they, they claim to be, to be gods. I mean, they belong to God. They honor God with their lips. They, oh, hallelujah, the Lord is going home, praise the Lord. But their hearts is far from God. So your heart can be distant from God if you start walking with the wrong set of people even though they are Christians. 
So listen carefully to that. So it's not that God is drifting away from you. It's not that God, it's not that God is leaving you, but your own heart can be distant from the Lord. If you don't understand what the fear of the Lord is and you start working with people and your relationship with God is mechanical, you come to church on a Sunday, you give sacrificial offering, all manner of things. So when your when your when your Christian work is becoming mechanical, right, and not spiritual, and not open and sincere with the Lord, <laughs> Jesus Christ is Lord. You start this, I mean, your heart will begin to distance from the Lord. And it's sad that many Christians today have been deceived and fooled into a mechanical relationship with God. Bring 10 pounds, the Lord will give you 100 fold. The question is, how many 100 folds have many of them received? Because I used to be like that too. You know, you know when I'm giving a special offering, and they, you know, this, I used to be part of this church where they have all manner of meetings and services. They used to, they used to have this annual meetings that just, you know, listen, thinking about it now is just annoying me because of how many, how much resources I've lost to give sowing into that, into that ridiculous conference that they hold every year. Uh, I guess my wife is laughing ridiculous amen i need to be kind to be calm this morning because at this point when i'm when i'm upset i i'll tell you i'm upset it's really it's, it's annoying i said I've lo- i lost some of my nicest suits by sewing them to those 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 ridiculous meetings and i could not even get money to buy a a, a, a proper piece of suit for 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 over three years what a sad situation but could i say it's my fault or it's not my fault i can't i can't blame anyone but to some extent i think it's my fault i, I didn't go and find out the truth but Okay, let's not believe. I don't want to blame here now. <laughs> Amen. So, when our relationship with God becomes mechanical, our fear of the Lord will become mechanical. Because it's way, if I do this, go forgive me. If I do that, go forgive me. And that's why many people can be fooled into thinking that on the judgment day, which the judgment day has to do with judging the works we did on earth. Because many of us, as many of us who did the work of God, what God has called us to do on heart will be rewarded with crowns of glory. And the Bible makes it very clear that, you know, in that day of judgment, anyone whose work did not stand the fire, does not stand the test of fire, the person will be saved, but they will not receive any reward. So the Bible is not saying, Jesus is not saying that you will go to hell if you're good at ways you're bad. For you to even get to hell, I mean, for you to, okay, this heaven thing, for you to even be in front of Jesus Christ means that you are with the Lord. Right? If you're in front of Jesus Christ, like, that's it. That's it. He will not reject you or cast you out. And can I give you that good news? Uh, Christ is inside of you and is living with you. He's inside of you, he's living with you. So, the, so talking about heaven should not even be, it should not even be a discussion on the table. It's about continuing your journey with Christ Jesus in, even after you are out of the body. Right? So, your relationship with Jesus. Start here on earth. And when you come out of the body, you see, I'm not using the word die. When you come out of the body, go and read 2 Corinthians chapter 5 or Philippians chapter 1, chapter, uh, verse 21 and 22. When you come out of the body, you continue with the Lord in a different realm, in heaven, a different space, in a different realm. But your earth suit has been buried or cremated or whatever. So it doesn't end. So life does not end when you're out of the earth suit. So talking about mechanical fear of the Lord, because many people a relationship or relationship with the father is mechanical that's why somebody can see and fool them that if you're good at ways you're bad on the day of judgment you will make you you will be in heaven but if you're evil at ways you're good you will end up in hell that is that's not right and that's why many people if that is a qualification to be with the lord forever then people don't need to give their life to christ then Jesus died in vain. Jesus died in vain if how you're going to be assessed on the judgment day is based on how much good you have done. Can I give you good news? Your good can never outweigh your bad. Hello? Your good can never outweigh your bad because some of us, one act of carelessness, right, is costing some people their finances even for years. We didn't mean intentionally, but our act of carelessness. Many of us, the bad we are doing is more than the good we are doing. Because many of us, it took us maybe 15 years before we responded to the Lord. And do you know how many people will have been saved? This is not to make you bad. This is not condemnation. The Lord has forgiven you. Are you getting me? So I'm just trying to tell you that you can only try your best and show you work with the Father, work with the Lord, but your good can never outweigh your bad. Because on whose scale do you weigh good? What is good? 
Okay, so, so how do you measure the good? Is it based on human scale or based on God's scale? You'll be, so surprised, you'll be very, very surprised that God's scale of measurement is very different from human scale of measurement. Amen. Hello? So, I plead with us. Let's assess ourselves and ask ourselves, my relationship with God, my walk with the Father, my feel of the Lord, is it mechanical? Is it based on what I've been taught? Or I have a honest, open, sincere relationship with the Father? You know, there was a lady my wife was talking about at some point, you know, I think a few of them. You know, they they live a funny lifestyle, a very ungodly lifestyle, um, but they have this ministry whereby they are speaking the word of God to people and you know people are and, and they have huge falling and people are really blessed. And it bothers me because the thing is this the life of God we carry, the life of God in us cannot produce evil and good. You can't be as a lady, you can't be sharing word of life, speaking word of life to people according to the word of God and seducing men in the afternoon. It doesn't work together. So which means you walk with the Lord in the morning, you walk with the devil in the afternoon. Are we thinking? If we are for the Lord, we better be for the Lord. Such attitudes are mechanical. So you are for the Lord in the morning, you are for the flesh and the devil in the evening. The Lord bless us. The Lord help us. So, as I try to explain along the line that the fear, what the fear of the Lord is not. So the fear of the Lord is not being afraid of God. You know, to be afraid means to feel a feeling of anxiety and to be frightened. So I felt I felt I should call it out. Fear of the Lord is not to be afraid of God. Don't be afraid of God. And if you notice, if you remember or notice in the word of God, in the Bible, in Bible account, you know, for instance, when when um, Angel Gabriel, who is a good friend, uh, appeared to Mary, right? And Mary was kind of afraid. He said, do not be afraid. When good news were, were taken to people in the Bible, he said, do not be afraid. He said, do not be afraid. Do not fear. Right? Do not, be, do, do not allow the feeling of anxiety. Don't be frightened. God is not out there to frighten us. God is out there to love us and show us how much he cares about us. So, uh, also something I thought I should call out is that the fear of the Lord is not a feeling. Because some people just think, no, I fear the Lord. They're, they're trying to express how they feel. I fear the Lord. Many people fear the Lord in their mind, in their emotions, but their actions tell us clearly that they do not fear the Lord because it's the definition of the fear of the Lord is to eat evil. And some, many people, it's because of how they feel. I know God is a consuming fire. God can destroy me. That's not the fear of the Lord. So if you fear the Lord, you hate evil. Simple. If you fear the Lord, you regard what he says. Simple. If you fear the Lord, you do what he asks you to do. Simple. Right, so it's just like how many people say they, they 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 are in love because of how they feel about someone, but love is not about your feeling, because the feeling can win you. If anything can affect your feeling. How we can test your love for people is how you treat them, even when you are not feeling in love with them. When you are not feeling romantic, when you are not feeling excited, how do you treat people? Many marriages today are heading for are heading for the for, 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 for a wall or heading for a rock because it was built on emotions and feelings. I can't just think up thinking about him. You know, every time I wake up in the morning, I just think about him. They're just feeling I have for him. I cannot express my feeling for me. I cannot explain my feeling. I'm just so in love with him. Then you see a text message that looks like the guy is dating somebody else. You've not verified it. It looks like and the so-called love dies in an instance and you want to take the guy out. Can someone pick that, get that picture? I can't just stop thinking about him. This is a lady expression. You know, I'm just so madly in love with him. Then you saw a message that looks like he's dating someone else. You've not even verified. And the so-called love and things that you cannot explain dies in an instant and it's like, you're going to get this guy until, you really, until later you realize that it was not a true message. So can we say that the love is not a feeling in every respect and regard? It's not a feeling. Not that we will not feel romantic. So I'll say that feelings should accompany our choice of love when we choose to love. But we should not define love because we feel funny. We feel somehow sentimental. Gosh, all this. And hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. So likewise, when it comes to the fear of the Lord, it's not about the fact that you, you know, you saw Elijah, you can remember how Elijah called down fire and, it comes, and Elijah, Elijah killed two, one and two people. 
and you say, you know, you know, the Lord is a consuming fire. Forget that crap, my friend. It's 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 rubbish. The fear of the Lord is not failing. If you fear the Lord, you believe what it says and you do what it asks you to do. Amen. I repeat, if you fear the Lord, you believe what it says and you do what it asks you to do. You may not even feel at all like you fear the Lord. But as long as you're doing what God asks you to do, as long as you hate evil, you fear the Lord. So Christian life is, is in action, is in what we do. I mean, the Christian life is demonstrated by how we live our life, how we obey the word of God, not how we feel. I repeat, the Christian life is lived, is practiced, is demonstrated by how we conduct our lives. We are believers and, and we are saved, we are righteous, we are holy. And how we live that life is by conducting our lives according to our new identity in Christ Jesus. It's not a feeling thing. As many times, many people, as many people think that Christianity is a feeling, right? They will never be stable in their Christian life because when they feel like a Christian, they, they are a Christian. When they don't feel like a Christian, they are like the, the devil's cousin. Amen. I pray God help our understanding. So I just want to encourage you guys to just to stay connected with the Transformers Church. We, we have a lot to do. As you may have noticed, since we went live at the church, I've been building every message. I've, I've been a, I've been building on the subsequent messages because we are on a journey of growth, discovering and becoming who God has called us to be. See, friends, you cannot fulfill your purpose. You cannot become who God has called you to be if you don't understand the fear of the Lord. You can't. Because you entertain all manner of evil, all manner of lie. You operate in intimidation with the Father. You will not be free to talk to Him. You will not be free to relate with Him. You will not be free to receive correction. You can be dubious, dubious in your relationship with the Father. Your relationship can be mechanical as we saw in the book of Isaiah chapter 29. Amen. Your relationship, your, your fear of the Lord can be mechanical, taught by evil people. And on the days when you are, not feel, when you are feeling like acting in the flesh you listen to someone who's, who, who is telling you what you want to hear we gotta be careful and the devil is not sleeping he will take advantage of you he will mess you about we, we, we can't deceive anyone when it comes to our christian life amen so the fear of the lord is very important right because if we don't fear the lord we will not hate evil Right? If you don't fear the Lord, will not eat evil. One of the problem, one of the problems we have in the world today, is because of the lack of the fear of the Lord. Many people, many, and even in the Christ, in the Christian circles today, there the, the, the enormous amount of indiscipline, lawlessness, and wickedness in the body of Christ today is because of the lack of the fear of the Lord. And I can't really blame people because many people have been taught wrongly about the fear of the Lord. And I repeat. If you claim to fear the Lord, hate evil. And you need to know what evil is according to the word of God, not according to what the, 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 the media tells you. Because the definition of evil of the media and the government is always changing. So what was evil to the government 10 years ago is now acceptable. Or 20 years ago, I mean, is now, you know, you know, you know. As many times, as much as we will always have evil people go into power, the definition, the boundary of evil will keep shifting. So, if your own definition of evil is not rooted in the word of God, your definition or your boundary of evil will keep shifting like that of the world. So, it still comes down to the fact that our definition of the fear of the Lord and what evil is must be in the word of God. Many preachers today and many churches today do not hate what God hates. Because when an evil pastor comes to the church and because of his weak, the wickedness of his heart and, the, and the, evil, the evil practices that he wants supporters to support, right? He redefines what evil is. And many of them are very sweet talkers, right? And they can manipulate you and make you, you know, they, they can mobilize you to support their evil agenda. And because you're, you are not following Christ, but you are following a man of God, who is not in Christ or not following Christ, then your, then, then your definition of Christianity changes. Amen. I feel like I speaking to us this morning. So, if we don't fear the Lord, right, we will not hate evil. And evil practices will increase in our, in, in our circles. And we too will give room to evil, evil and wickedness because we are also practicing evil. You hope, if you don't know what evil is according to the word of God, you will not be able to recognize it in other people. 
And when they come into your life to take you out, to destroy you, you will open the door ajar for them. I mean, wide open for them because your definition of evil is no longer what the Bible says, but what men has taught you. So it's not just about hating evil as a believer, as a Christian, when it comes to fearing the Lord, according to Proverbs 8.13, it's also what do you define as evil? What do I define as evil? What is evil? What is evil? And there's so much the Bible calls evil. And the funny thing is, is see, God is not trying to hold you back or prevent you from having fun. The fun and the pleasure that it seems like the Bible does not want you to have are the ones that will destroy you. Is it the freedom you think the word of God wants to take away from you is a freedom into bondage, open door, open road to destruction. And I've said several, several times, I have learned and I'm still training myself not to go by what people tell me. People who are practicing evil can come out and look fine and everything is fine. Easy lie. Because the word of God cannot be broken. The word of God is not a lie. I'll give an example. The Bible tells us that our body is not defined, is not designed for sexual immorality. So a person who is given to sexual immorality, evil must be in their life. They say, I don't believe what people say. I no, no, when it comes people who are condoning sin and enjoy and, and living indulging it and they're trying to act as if everything is right, they are lying to you. Because the word of God cannot be broken. It, it, the Bible tells us in the book of Romans chapter 6, verse 14 to 16, that if we give ourselves to sin as slaves, that we'll become a slave to sin. See, I choose to believe what the word of God says because everyone who has pretended to, to pretended to me as if everything is, they, they have everything together, everything is working, everything is fine, and are practicing evil, Every one of them have been privileged to see what's going on behind this and the depression, the anxiety, the mental, the, the deep mental health problems, the abuse, the molest, the things they are up to, the demons controlling them, the kind of horrible dreams they are having. I mean, the kind of demonic oppression they are going through. As a pastor, I have privilege to, to, to this information. So I am now in a position whereby if the Bible says this is not right, I will not go into it. No matter how glamorous or beautiful it looks like, because there's death in it. Amen. The Bible says that the, the, the reward, the wages of sin is death. The reward sin gives us is death. It would, and when I talk about death, it's not that it will take you out. It's killing your brain. It's killing your body. It's killing your finances. It's destroying your soul. Is making you look more. It's preparing you to be like a devil. Such that one day you will carry out an evil action. You're thinking, where did this come from? No, you'll be feeding yourself. You see, you'll be preparing yourself to be a vessel in the hand of the devil. So when we give ourselves to God, right, in righteousness, we are preparing ourselves to be credible and worthy and worthy vessel in God's hands to bless other people. But when we are giving ourselves to wickedness, we are making ourselves ready. We are preparing ourselves for... <laughs> We are pre oh Jesus Christ, Lord help me help me help me to be nice about this. We are making ourselves and there's a verse I'm looking for. I, I, I can see it, but I can't remember it right now. Okay, okay, because of my time, I think I'm rushing the little bit now. When we are giving ourselves to evil, right, evil practices, we are preparing ourselves for that day when the devil can easily press one button you and send you an errand to destroy. So I don't fool myself. So apart from hating evil, you got to know what evil is according to God's standard, not according to human standard. Another reason why we must we must uh, fear the Lord is so that we will not be stupid. So that we will not be stupid. Proverbs nine ten tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. People are doing all manner of stupid things, foolish decisions that are destroying them because they don't fear the Lord. See, this is not to condemn anyone. Proverbs 13, 20, He that walks with the wise shall be wise, but the companion of fools shall be destroyed. You know, when we call this kind of things out, some media, media places will bleep, want to bleep. I'm not swearing. I'm really saying what the Bible says. Amen. When a, when a, when a single lady is dating a married man with kids, a Christian, Christian lady, and the man too is a Christian, and they claim to be in love. Tell me, what is the wisdom in that? 
And in their relationship, they are hiding from the wife of the man. So tell me, what is the wisdom in that? Because when I say that is foolishness, people say, you know, you know, like somebody who was not, who did not demonstrate much intelligence, telling me that no, you should say it's lack of common sense. I'm like, how dare you? Do do, you, do people think we are joking here? We are talking about things that that is that is breaking lives, breaking hearts, separating homes. Some women, because of the adulterous practice of their husband, have lost their senses. I mean, they've lost trust. I mean, they couldn't just believe the. They, they go, made some of them has gone into a kind of shock for many years that they've not really recovered from. And you're telling me to call that kind of thing lack of common sense. It is stupidity. The Bible says that he that commits adultery is not wise. Amen. Amen. So if you don't fear the law, we can't hate evil. And which you also need to know what evil is like. We can't discern evil. So the Bible is simply telling us that some things have to be hated. I like how Andrew Omar talks when he talks about adultery. He said adultery is stupid. Is this? Is this? Is that? Training his mind not even not to even venture or think about it. So we must also knowing that we are not stupid people, right? Because we carry the Christ in us and we're intelligent. We, there are some things in our lives, in our environment that we must say this thing is stupidity, is wickedness, is, is senseless. So that when that picture is clearly painted in our mind, we will not play around it. So if the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, if we don't fear the Lord, what are we going to be doing? We're going to do all manner of foolish things. So when we begin to do love evil instead of hate evil, we will love all manner of foolish things. All manner. Make stupid decisions. Make silly decisions that can ruin our lives. Amen. I'm going to shut down there. Amen. I've defined what the fear of the Lord is to us. It's to respect, revere Him. Right? The fear of the Lord is not to be afraid of God. The fear of the Lord, you know, is, um, is to hate evil. The fear of the Lord... Is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, the fear of the Lord should not be mechanical. The fear of the Lord should be taught correctly. We should learn what the fear of the Lord is and walk in the fear of the Lord. Amen. Uh, if we don't walk with the fear of the Lord, we are not deceiving anyone. We are only deceiving ourselves and destroying ourselves. Right. Thanks, guys. I hope that that's a blessing to you. I, I want to challenge you to find someone around you and talk about this. You know, Talk about where you think you need to improve on the fear of the Lord. What do you need to work on? If you want to, if you want accountability partners, yeah, talk to them that in those areas, it might be something you want to think about during the week. I want to challenge us to think, to go and do a, a, a thorough evaluation of ourselves, to think, to think deeply, to ask ourselves, do I fear the Lord? You know, as you read your Bible going forward, look at those things that the Bible says are not right and look at and check yourself. Do I do those things? Now, it's going to take you some time to change, right? So, um, God is not expecting you, and neither am I expecting to change overnight. I'm also in the process of change in certain areas of my life. So, this message is not to condemn anyone, but to call our attention to this stuff. What are we doing? Are we, are we, are we true Christians at all? Amen. And I pray the Lord open your eyes to see as you study the word of God and give you that strength to, to, to make up your mind and uh, choose to go in the path you ought to go. In Jesus' name.